But Obama wants to own the word fair and the phrase middle class. And yet, who has done more destruction to working people in this country than Obama? Why isn't it proper to point out the Democrat base is made up, for the most part, of the nation's losers? Free enterprise can do a better job producing the things that people need than government can. Less government and less taxes and more freedom for the people. Iran, Cuba... Many of them in, in the audience here today.
Well, good evening and welcome to another evening of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Good night, folks. Oh, it's been an interesting day today. First, my washing machine crapped out. As it turns out, it wouldn't spin, and when it did spin, uh, the water didn't, uh, you know, go out. So I thought, wow, it's going to be a big old mess. So I called up a couple of, um, you know, washing machine repair people, and uh, they wanted to charge me an arm and a leg. And even though I'm balling out of control, you know, I've got more money than I know what to do with, and I'm hiding it all from uh, our illustrious uh, Emperor Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, I didn't want to pay the money, so I decided to, you know, try to fool around with the with the machine myself. And uh, so I took some things apart, got up underneath the machine, and lo and behold, I took out, uh, you know, the uh, one of the hoses under the bottom, the main hose that drains the water. Uh, got that thing out of there, which wasn't easy, by the way. And for some reason, there's always some parts left over when I'm done. I don't know why. But uh, so I got the... I got this big, uh, you know, this big hose thing from the bottom of the the washing machine, and took a look inside. Oh, snap! There was uh, debit cards, all chewed up. Two of them. Wondered what happened to those. There was about uh, I three dollars and forty some odd cents in coins. Uh. <laughs> There was chewed up, uh, what looked to be like chewed up dollar bills, a whole lot of other gunk and uh, strings and all kinds of nastiness. There was a uh, a bracelet, uh, a gold bracelet and, uh, and a silver chain in there. And there was a whole lot of other stuff in, the, in that thing that I couldn't quite make out. Anyway, so I emptied it all in the sink and then uh, flush the hose out, put it back underneath the washing machine, and boom, the washing machine is working fine now. So everything's going great. Boom, or so I thought. But no, it just doesn't roll like that. I noticed it was kind of warm in the house. You know? It's just un- uncommonly warm. And I like I like uh, summertime for the house to be freezing cold. I like to, I like 60, 65, 67 degrees tops. But the downstairs part of the house was actually extremely hot. So I went to check the thermostat and to verify that uh, the setting was correct. And lo and behold, it was set at 87 degrees. It was 87 and then right before my very eyes, the temperature went up two degrees, 89 degrees downstairs. So, of course, I went outside and checked the air conditioner, and boom, it wasn't running. You know, the one that does the upstairs, running fine like clockwork. The one that works downstairs wasn't working at all. So I'm like, oh, man, I just replaced the upstairs uh, unit a year ago, and that set me back about five and uh, I figured, damn, now I'm going to have to pony up another five or six for the new unit. As it turns out, I had a service guy come out. Now, for a service guy to come out just to drive his vehicle out to my house, that's all, $99. 
So I said to the guy, you know, I can't afford to pay that. You know, these are tough times. You know, Obama's taking all my money. He's taxing me. I'm a small business, and he doesn't like me. He said, well, hey, let me see if we got a special going on. So he comes back. Okay, if you have the service through us, he said, you know, we'll waive the $99 service call. So I said, that's fair enough. So the guy came out, and uh, he immediately figured out what was up. The capacitor had crapped out. Now, what a capacitor is is just a battery, like a car battery, only a whole lot smaller and looks more like a battery. So that little device gives the air conditioner its charge so that it fires up. I figure, okay, I'm looking at the thing. can't cost more than 20 bucks, right? I fish through my pockets, come out with a 20, and the dude says, oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute now. The uh, capacitor is $174. Like, for that thing, it's $174? you got to be kidding me. So, needless to say, the 100 or some so dollars I saved fixing my own washing machine went toward the new capacitor that's fired up, and now the downstairs of my house is cooling off. I'm sweating like a sow right now because I had to hurry and get this guy going because he's quite long-winded and he was just talking and talking and talking and the time was passing by faster and faster and faster next thing you know it's 752 and he's standing out by his truck just a yapping away so i said dude you've got two minutes and then i'm out so here's your money you know you're great i love you i'll put in a good word for you later on but i gotta go so that was the end of that so that's my adventure for the day Welcome, guys. I'm glad you guys are here. It's been an interesting day for me. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, you guys are doing well. Who is John Galt? Who indeed? I'm John Galt. You're John Galt. We're all John Galt. Reminds me of uh, a line from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Anybody, any of you ever uh, do the Rocky Horror Picture Show? You know, kind of dress up, go to the movie theater, midnight. I used to do that. Can I can can we talk here? Can we can we just be, you know, open? Can we share? How many of you listening to the sound of my melodious voice attended a Rocky Horror Picture Show at midnight, took your umbrella, your rice, your loaf of bread, huh? Your squirt gun and dressed up as Frank in Furter. How many of you it's okay. It's just you and I. It's just us. You can tell me, did you dress up as Frank N. Furter or Magenta? Or were you were you Brad? Were you Brad? Go on. Or Janet? Were you Brad? Did you play it safe and just go as Brad or Janet? Or did you go like me in the heels, in the fishnets, in the crotchless panties. Of course, I didn't do that. But something, <laughs> something in me wanted to. No doubt, I wanted. I wanted to go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show dressed as Frank in Furter, but I did not. I went as Brad, and I took my my bread and my umbrella. 
and my squirt gun and my roll of toilet paper and my rice. Now, any of you who've been to the Rocky Horror Picture Show would have to know what that's all about. So let me see a show of hands of those of you in the chat room who have visited, who have gone out at midnight to the Rocky Horror Picture Show dressed up as one of the characters from the movie. Anybody? Oh, we've got one in the chat room. Uh, swing easy. We've got uh, Stay Mad Radio. He's waving his hand, or is he waving to say hi to Karen, who's also in the chat room? Or is Dave a closet Rocky Horror Picture Show fan who used to go dressed up as Frank Inferter? So I think Stay Mad should call in and tell us all about his experience as Frank Inferter at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. All right, enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Today's date is, wow, July 26, 2012, beautiful old town Alexandria. I am back, yes, from my time in South Florida. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Let's take care of a little business and we'll come right back and we'll get this show started. How will they confiscate our guns? How's it going to go down? We'll be right back. Gun control imposed by the United Nations. That's what we'll talk about today in the video. Have you noticed that Obama has not talked about gun control much in his four years as president? He's advocated every other liberal measure that's been kicking around, but he's quiet on the issue of gun control. Well, that's because he knows he couldn't get it passed. He knows he couldn't get a lot of Democrats to vote for it. So he and Hillary Clinton on July 27th uh, this month are going to sign a treaty in New York City which will obligate the United States to participate in a global regime of gun control. We talk about it in our book, Screwed, and we give you the background on it. But when we wrote this, they hadn't set the date for signing the treaty. But please read all about it here, because this is going to be one of the big fights we're going to have to wage, likely during the lame duck session of Congress. It's called the Arms Trade Treaty, the ATT. And... Again, what the UN always does is there's a theoretical upfront objective that they advertise and then there's their real intent. The theoretical objective of the ATT is to stop, uh, regulate the arms trade so that we don't have this constant trade in munitions and death going back and forth across national borders. Of course, this is ridiculous because most of the arms trade is by the governments and this does nothing to regulate government arms trafficking. Uh, but it does regulate individual arms trafficking. So it, it, the, the, the ostensible purpose of it is really a, a, a fraud, a fate. The real purpose of this is that it will set up an international agency that will be in charge of controlling the flow of arms throughout the world. And while it will theoretically only have jurisdiction over arms flows across national borders, you know, like the Interstate Commerce Clause, we see how that can be expanded. And it really will have the authority to tell member nations to adopt policies within their own countries to facilitate regulation of flows across borders. 
and those could include and will include registration, uh, and may well include bans on arms and handguns and all of that. Now, if this treaty is ratified by the Senate, it assumes parity with the Second Amendment. It's as if there is a new 27th or 28th Amendment to the Constitution of this treaty, because the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution says treaties are the law of the land and cannot be overridden by acts of Congress or acts of the state legislature. In fact, even if we don't ratify the thing, but Obama signs it, under the Vienna Convention, we are obliged not to do anything to counter this treaty uh, and while we're considering ratifying it. It's only if the president, a subsequent president renounces the treaty, which he can't do after the Senate's confirmed it, but which he can before, that it's no longer binding on the United States. So for those of us who value the Second Amendment right to bear arms, this is absolutely pivotal. Uh, what they're doing is they've changed the venue, but it's the same fight. So, please, this is going to come up for ratification in the fall. They're signing it on July 27th. We need a storm of protest relating to the signing of it. Uh, we have a petition on our site right next to You can click on the link here to go to Hillary to oppose signing it. Uh, but, please, this is something that's very, very important for all of us that value the Second Amendment and believe in it. Uh, hello? Mr. President, this is Jimmy Carter. Uh, how'd you get my number? The, the vice president gave it to me. Oh. Well, I just learned your poll numbers are lower now than mine were at the same point in my administration. But I want to encourage you to press on, just like I did. Remember, today is the first day of the rest of your presidency. Why, in three years, this terrible moment will be forgotten by the American people. Oh, uh, Really? Absolutely. By then you'll have runaway inflation, double-digit interest rates, and a crazy Ayatollah you can't appease no matter what you do. Uh, thanks for cheering me up, Jimmy. And another thing, about the Iranians. Internet Talk Radio, we receive support from a great many areas. 
We have listener support, of course, and some who help with the promoting. One group that often goes unrecognized are the wives of Internet Talk Radio hosts. They are the ones who tolerate our dalliances and the time we invest in our hobbies. Well, this is one way we can properly recognize those who are closest to us by broadcasting their sincere sentiments regarding our passions. Are you going to stay up all night? You're a family, you know. You're always at that computer. How much money do you make doing that dumbass radio show? You're not the only ones who live there, you know. You better come and eat. I'm not bringing it in there. All right, and welcome back, folks, to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones, Doctor of Philosophy from Weeb and Mary, baby. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson's alma mater. Now, I'm reading in the chat room here that Stay Mad Radio author, philanthropist, Statesman, scholar, warrior, Dave Graham, author of the book Stay Mad, says that he has never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show and, worse still, he doesn't see the point. Well, first, I am shocked and dismayed both at the same time that David Graham has not seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I can agree with not seeing the point. Now, let's be clear. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is about all sorts of gratuitous goings-on. All sorts of... uh, uh, all sorts of stuff. For example, <laughs> uh, yeah, how do you do? I see you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dying because when you met, he thought you were the candy man. I'm just a cheap transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Now, as gross as that sounds at 50 <laughs> and as embarrassed as I am to repeat those lyrics at this moment back when I was 19 I was digging it baby I gotta admit it I was digging it all and Frank in those 7 inch heels <laughs> I tell you it was so funny it was funny and it was cool, and it was a great time. It was a great time to be 19 years old. But at 50 years old, I get to the part where uh, where Frank does his thing, and he comes down the elevator, and then that's it. I can't watch anymore. My main man, Meatloaf, makes a cameo appearance, singing one of his songs. And this was, we're talking about 1978, folks. 1978, when the play came out, 1978, 
when the movie came out. And it was a blast back then. But hey, Tim Curry. That's right. Tim Curry was the Mac of all daddies back then as Frank Inferter. Damn it, Janet. All right, but that's enough of that. We've had a little fun. We've gone down perverted memory lane with Frank Inferter in the crotchless uh, fishnets and the four-inch sparkly heels. Imagine Tim Curry at this age dressed that way. I have tried. I'll, honestly, I have tried to <laughs> to 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 uh, to picture stubby old bit overweight Tim Curry rocking the crotchless fishnets, and thank God I can't. For decades. I've heard gun owners, gun owners claim that the government would never be able to confiscate their firearms, our firearms, because the government, they say, would lose too many men. The implication being, of course, that gun owners would actively resist confiscation, even to the point of shooting back, i.e. Ruby Ridge, and, of course, the Branch Davidians. But I believe this thinking is outdated, and I don't even... It doesn't even align well with reality. It doesn't. But before you tell me how big your honor guard in hell will be when the day comes, let's think about how the government could really could really take your guns away. Suppose for the sake of argument, argument the government bans all civil possession of firearms. At the end of this month... And using the Colorado shooting as the catalyst. Say Congress passes a total ban and the president cuts his own re-election throat by signing it. Gun owners get some grace period to turn them in. Even beyond the deadline without being charged with the crime, perhaps. If we use, say, Australia or Britain as examples... There'll still be a significant number of firearms that are not turned in. We all know that. The criminals are certainly not going to turn theirs in. Some estimates put the Australian turn-in rate at less than 25%, and the British fared only about 28%. But Australians and the British have long been used to obeying almost every gun control law. Not so, we Americans. Not at all. When laws are passed that we don't like, we bite, we scratch, we vote, we disobey. Now, I had a little bit of a hand in the production, the writing of the series Prohibition, Ken Burns' Prohibition. And the Prohibition series by Ken Ken Burns is a prime example of what happens when the government decides that it's going to sort of manage how we do things or what we do. We all know that prohibition didn't prohibition didn't work at all. Very few people abided by that law. And the criminal population racked in millions of dollars monthly as a result 
of that uh, the social engineering. So here we sit after guns have been collected and amnesty has run out. Now what? Now what happens? Send out the personnel carriers, SWAT and shock troops to seize the guns from those militia terrorist folks or those hillbillies over in uh, Kentucky who refuse to turn in their weapons? I think not. The government has lots of records about us. If you purchased a firearm since 1968, chances are that they have some record of it somewhere. Most likely, it will take quite some time for them to compile all the serial numbers of surrendered guns, surrendered essentially at gunpoint, and cross off the ones you turned in. It'll take more time for them to attempt to clean up their data, say about two years, maybe three. Add that, uh, add to that uh, the hordes of people uh, key punching in hundreds of thousands of sales and registration records from hundreds of gun stores forced out of business. At some point, the government decides they have uh, something approaching a good database of unaccounted handguns or weapons of any kind. Now, bear in mind that one of my favorite places to hang out is Quantico, Virginia, the Marine base there. Now, in Q Town, Quantico Town, which, uh, which, uh, is, uh, which is surrounded by the base, there is one fine hell of a gun store there. I have purchased several weapons from that store, all automatic weapons, not semi, but full auto. And quite frankly, I show them my military ID card. I give them my ID. They punch in a couple of uh, numbers here or there. They tell me they'll have my weapon ready and all cosmoleaned up in three days. I come back three days later. Pick up my stash in my brand spanking new gun uh, or rifle uh, carriers and walk right out after paying, of course. It's just that simple. Now, here's the thing. What happens during the course of those three days between the time I present my military identification card my driver's license, passport, whatever I have at that point, and the time I come back to collect my weaponry. What happens? Well, what happens to you who already have weapons, if the government decides they're going to take them, is you'll get from the government perhaps an official-looking notice that they think you still have a weapon. Their information will probably include all the information from registration forms right down to the serial numbers of the weapons. That notice will tell you that you're in violation of the law, subject to prosecution and imprisonment. It'll give you some period of time to surrender the weapon. It'll also give you a very limited number of days to return the form with an explanation as to why you didn't have why you don't have the gun if you say you don't have it. Of course a lot of people will say, "Oh, it was stolen." You know, and bury them in the backyard. You know, lo- lotion down with, with Cosmoline. For you who are not gun owners or warriors like myself, Cosmoline is a preservative that preserves the weapon entirely. It looks and feels a lot like a oily uh, Vaseline. All right. 
and you cover the weapon completely with it. You immerse the weapon in the cosmoline. And you can keep the weapon, and the weapon will be, you know, good for like, oh, what, 50 years. You keep it in that cosmoline, it'll, it'll, you'll, you'll be, all you got to do is pull it out of there, clean it off real nice and sweet, and then you're ready to fire. Some people will ignore the letter, though. Others will scrawl a note that, well, I sold this in 1982 in a private sale, which is probably the route I'm going to go when they want to come for my weapons. After some time, the government will figure out how many guns are still out there and what the compliance rate is with the gun ban. More importantly, they'll start sorting their database by the, the number of guns someone supposedly has unaccounted. But as we've discovered... With prohibition, a new market will spring up. Yes, the underground gun sale bandits. They'll have all manner of weaponry. From AK-47s, or the Kalashnikov as we call it, to maybe even an old-fashioned pig, which we call the M60 machine gun. Oh, they'll have their standard 50 cals. They'll have your Berettas. They'll have your Sig Sauers. They'll have it all. Talk about bootleggers. Oh, yeah. They'll have your your trusty Derringer tucked in their boot. And they'll just go on a selling spree. And they'll sell guns to whomever can afford to buy them, whoever is daring enough to buy illegal guns. What we'll have, folks is prohibition all over again. But this time, instead of illegal liquor, it'll be illegal guns. And every once in a while, someone will come out to remind the government that we're still in charge and they'll fire off a few rounds and then run and hide. It's something I might do myself. So here's where, here, here is where we are. Now, does anybody think that Michael Bloomberg's proposed ban on soda is going to come to anything but folks buying more soda? Just to spite Bloomberg, to let him know, to let those who think they know, know that you can't tell us what to do, that it just doesn't work that way? Yeah, sure, we'll comply with your standard seatbelt laws. We'll, we'll comply with you got to have insurance before you can drive a car. We'll comply with the, uh, you know, no smoking in this area, but you can only smoke in that area. We'll go along with that kind of stuff. Sure, it's for the greater good, right? But we don't, we as Americans don't take too kindly to being told we can't eat something, we can't drink something. We can't drink as much as we want. We can't eat as much as we want. We can't do whatever the hell we want within the confines of the law. And you're not going to be able to sell us on this idea that we can't own a weapon if we're a non-felon, law-abiding citizen. Hell, felons, folks, as I'm sure a lot of you know, convicted felons cannot, by law, own a firearm. In most places... It's an automatic five years in federal prison. I said automatic. Southern Sense knows this, 
and she can correct me if I'm wrong. But somehow I don't think that I am. It's automatic. But there are thousands of convicted felons walking around with firearms tucked in their in their waistbands for show. Uh, even when there's an automatic five-year sentence attached to having that weapon. Now, imagine the response from a law-abiding citizen like you, me, Karen, Dave Graham, 2020, G-Ski Rocks, Southern Sense. Are we going to actually just go ahead and turn in our weapons? So here you go. Yeah, sure. I dig it. I'm going to turn in my weapon. And what about those convicted felons, those criminals? Are they going to say, yeah, 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 I dig this whole gun ban thing. Yeah, I'm going to just turn in my weapons. It's all good. We're good. I'm going to go ahead and turn in this illegal firearm that I've took, taken such pains to scratch off the serial number for. And which I had planned to use in this armed robbery or this drive-by shooting. And I'm just going to go ahead and turn it in. Yeah. See, do you see where this is going, folks? This whole thing is going the same way as prohibition in the 1920s, where a certain group of people believe that they know what's best for everybody else, and they're going to enact some legislation in order to help save us from ourselves. That didn't work too well. No, it didn't work at all with prohibition when it came to alcohol. It didn't work at all. The women were up in arms because their husbands were coming home drunk and spending all their jack on booze at the local bar. The ladies were being beaten by their husbands and forcibly raped because they were all drunk. The kids were being beaten. It was a big old mess. So the ladies got together. And they flexed their muscle, which was considerable. And they convinced a whole lot of other people to go along with them. Members of Congress, etc., etc., etc. The next thing you know, we were safe from ourselves and we couldn't drink booze. Except that we could. And we did. So... We have this whole thing happening again. Not so long ago, Mr. Eric Holder stated that in order to effectively enact gun control, we need to brainwash the young folks, the citizenry, into not wanting to carry a gun. Once again, a bit of social engineering in terms of legislation by way of legislation, let's take a little bit of a listen to Mr. Eric Holder at his very worst when he is saying that he wants airtime, you know, primetime airtime, you know, that whole subliminal message thing to try to convince us that violence and guns, well, it's just not a good thing. But folks, before we listen to Eric Holder, understand this. For better or worse, we are Americans. And with all that entails, good and bad, 
We are violent people. Of that, there is no doubt. Quite frankly, I have no problem with it. We love our guns and our religion. We love our booze and our soda pop. We love our steaks and our bacon and our chicken. And we like it all fried. Stop trying to tell us what to do. Stop trying to tell us we can't have too much salt or we shouldn't have too much and we shouldn't have too much sugar. And if we don't stop taking the sugar or drinking the soda or eating the steaks, they're going to take all that shit away. It just doesn't work that way. Lay off before somebody takes an ass kicking. So, with that in mind, let's listen to Mr. Eric Holder give his little speech about brainwashing folks into not wanting any guns. Really brainwash people into thinking about guns in a vastly different way. We want to have, as part of the gun initiative, though, an informational campaign to really change the hearts and minds of people in Washington, D.C., and in particular, our young people. They are saturated uh, in the media and in entertainment or by the entertainment industry with violence. And I think too many of our um, young people, in particular our young men, are fascinated with violence and in particular fascinated with guns. And what we need to do is change the way in which people think about guns, especially young people, and make it something that's not cool, that it's not acceptable, it's not hip uh, to carry a gun anymore. Uh, in the way in which we've changed our attitudes about cigarettes, you know, when I was growing up, people smoked all the time. I mean, both my, my parents did. But over time, we changed the way in which people thought about smoking. And so now we have people who cower outside uh, of buildings and kind of smoke in private and don't want to admit it. Um, and that's what I think we need to do with guns, really change the way in which people think about, that, think about guns. Now, this is not going to be something that's very easy to do uh, because we are, quite frankly, fighting something that appears you know, every day on, on television, on, on the radio, in our popular music, uh, in movies that these kids are exposed to. It will be an effort that will entail uh, things that I'm really not familiar with. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good lawyer, but I, we need to get really innovative, creative things that are going to grab the attention of these kids uh, and change, as I said, the way in which they think about guns. And so what I've asked is that the creative community in Washington, those ad agencies that create these snappy ads and make me buy things that I don't really need, um, devote that talent in a more constructive way so we can get at the minds uh, of these young people. This informational campaign, I've also called on the newspapers and the television stations to devote to us uh, time and space so that we can get these ads, so we can use these spots, and not to give us one, two o'clock in the morning uh, ads when nobody's watching, but at the time when people, particularly young people, are watching television, so that when they're watching, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or, or Martin or whatever else they watch, and yeah, I watch those things once in a while, um, so that they'll see these ads and they'll be grabbed by these ads. I've also asked people who have influence over youngsters, uh, entertainers, uh, athletes to be involved in this program as well, but not only them, community leaders, uh, Jesse Jackson, Mayor Barry, people who have credibility with young people should be on the television, on the radio, uh, as much as we possibly can, and telling these youngsters that it's wrong to carry a gun and that if you have information about people who are carrying guns, you've got to share that with Chief Thomas and with his people as well.
Uh, I've also asked the school board to make a part of every day some kind of anti-violence, anti-gun message. Every day, every school, at every level. One thing that I think is clear with young people and with adults as well is that we just have to be repetitive about this. It's not enough to simply have a, a catchy ad on a Monday and then only do it every Monday. We need to do this every day of the week and just really brainwash people into thinking about guns in a vastly different way. We also want to uh, have a hotline that we will set up and have the number of that hotline that would just go out there, and that would be something that people would have emblazoned in their minds so that when they see a gun... Please join the hit squad of dynamic radio hosts on Internet Talk Radio. Starting at 8 p.m., listen to The Situation Report with Dr. C. Robert Jones of Gojo Media. Doc Jones is a retired Marine officer and holds a Ph.D. in history. Come check out his show weeknights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. From there, stay on board with the 2020 Network, alternating between G-Ski Rocks and his show, Live and Direct, and David Graham of Stay Mad Radio, taking you to bedtime with wit and wisdom and class and clarity. Join this nightly tea party family and bring your friends Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What to do, 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 do on Friday? Well, keep your internet radio routine with Tesla's great show, Socialism is Not an Option. The Roundtable Roundup Edition, where you can call in and vent your frustrations from the week. It's an open line discussion where other radio hosts and listeners call in and let us know what's on their mind every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, and welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Hey, listen, um, Southern Sense wrote in the chat room, why do you think uh, net neutrality, domestic drones, uh, smart lamps, Patriot Act, and other uh, survey programs are in effect? UN Arms Treaty, perhaps. What I think about these things is that the government is getting ready to spy on us. They're getting ready to... You know, I watch movies. Now, and I'm not saying these movies have any relation to reality in terms of what will be. But I watch movies like Equilibrium with my favorite actor, Christian Bale. Well, Tommy Lee Jones is my favorite actor. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Um... But uh, in the movie Equilibrium um, with Christian Bale, all feeling is being suppressed by a drug that is inserted uh, through a syringe in the neck um, with one of those uh, syringe guns, those old-style syringe guns, every morning. And... It dulls your senses. You don't have a sense. You're not a. You're not a. You don't feel because to feel is to. Um, you you feel anger, you feel envy, you feel a lot of emotions that are said to be you know cause wars and violence and such. And so these feelings are suppressed. And in addition to that, works of art, books. Anything that gives you a sense of 
a sense of worth is summarily destroyed. You really should watch the movie. It's called Equilibrium. Oh, and one more thing. Did you hear what Holder said about brainwashing the young folks into thinking that having a gun isn't cool? I was struck by this because there's nothing, absolutely nothing new under the sun. Sure, for some reason or another, the smoking thing, I guess he's right about that. But with regard to alcohol and firearms, this was tried also. Well, where uh, school children were taught in school that drinking alcohol would pretty much kill your liver. There were graphic pictorials in the school books that depicted a stomach that was distended and rotted out from the inside after drinking uh, from a person who had drank alcohol too much. And this was, we're talking school children aged 9, 10, 10 years old. They were trying to get them early. They were trying to get school children, the young folks, brainwashed into believing that drinking alcohol was really, really bad for you and not cool. Watch the series Prohibition. I had a hand in that. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. But hey, you've got to watch it. You'll understand exactly where I'm coming from here. During that time, during the time of Prohibition, the government and the powers that were attempted to brainwash us into believing that a certain type of activity, behavior, personal behavior, was bad. And that if we did not give up this bad behavior willingly, a law would be enacted so that we would be forced to give it up. Once again, that did not work out so well. It didn't work out at all. The only people who really, really profited were the criminals. And the same thing will happen today. Imagine, you're walking down the streets of Broadway. You're thirsty. You're thirsty for a Coca-Cola. Or maybe even... A Mountain Dew. Oh, but no. No. Mountain Dew. And co my mouth is watering for a Mountain Dew right now, by the way. Mountain Dew and Coca-Cola have been outlawed. Oh, yeah. And so, a dude comes along wearing a Stetson. No, no, no. He's wearing a Bossolina hat. No, he's wearing a beaver. No. No, no. No. He's wearing a Kango. And he's got a trench coat on. He steps up to you and he says, Psst. What you drinking, Mac? What you drinking? I got Coca-Cola here, I got Mountain Dew, I got Pepsi. I even got some Yoohoo here. What are you drinking? 
five bucks for a can. The next thing you know, you're fishing through your pockets. You're looking around, looking for the cops. And you grab that that can of Coke and you stuff it in your pocket and you slap the guy's hand as if you're giving him five and you put five in his hand and you walk off. He's got rich off of you. He's gotten five dollars for a can of Coke that he was hoarding for the last five years because he knew this was coming. Cost him 50, 60 cents and he just charged you five dollars for it. He's getting rich and you have gotten your fix of Coca-Cola for that day. That's where they're headed in New York. Because Mayor Bloomberg thinks that he needs to force you, his own words, quote, force you to understand, end quote, that drinking soda is bad for you. The only way we're going to stop this crap, this craziness, because it's getting worse. It is getting worse every single day year we've got to put a stop to it and the only way I'm afraid we're going to really put a stop to this without resorting to some chicanery is to elect elect officials that will put our freedoms first on their list that will jealously guard our freedom to be and do and say and be whatever the hell we want to be. Because that's really what America's all about. Exactly. Exactly as Dave Man put it. Psst, buddy, come here. What you drinking? I got Coke. Coke, a cola. I got, I got you who, I got that chocolatey drink. That watered down chocolatey drink. I got. I got Pepsi. I got Mountain Dew. I got. I got Cheerwine, baby. I got it all. Five bucks. You want an 18 ounce bottle? You want a 24 ounce? You want a 40? It's going to cost you a little more. But that's where we're going. So back to the guns. Back to the guns. Because now, this latest never let a good crisis go to waste, never let a good tragedy go to waste. Oh, they're not letting this one slide. The bodies weren't even cold before Bloomberg said that Policemen nationwide should go on strike until we give up our guns. So imagine what would happen if police officers actually went on strike waiting for us to give up our guns. (laughs) The crime would run rampant. Hell, I might even steal something. Go get myself a color TV. I'll tell you what, I'm joking around, but Bloomberg is off his damn rocker. How the hell does a guy like that get elected? How does it happen? I know he's like a millionaire, a billionaire or something, but it doesn't mean he can't be stupid. 
Now, let's get back to the guns. The next thing, after you get that government, that official government document, and if they think you, you've got multiple guns, if you think they'll come at these multiple gun owners with a SWAT team, like a lot of militia folks do, think again. Their most likely tactic will be yet another letter, maybe two, that generate what they'll call insufficient insufficient responses. That means they can't track a gun after you owned it. This they'll use as fodder for a search warrant or a perjury charge at a later date if they can. My guess is that the time between April and August would be a bad time for a lot of, quote, formal, end quote, gun owners. Remember that the the BATF is an arm, arm of the Treasury Department, and they control the IRS. You'll probably get a notice in the mail that the IRS has some questions about your taxes or want to audit you, perhaps. When you make the appointment to visit the IRS, they'll pass that information on to the BATF, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, or as some people just call it, the ATF. While you are sweating over your deductions, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and local police will execute a search warrant and search your home looking for those missing guns. With you safely off-site and distracted, essentially forced into the royal presence of the IRS, they'll snag your guns. And that's how it'll all go down. Bob, USMC is in the house. I have gone on and on and on about this subject, and we have only 90 seconds left. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Tune in to Southern Sense. Andy, the radio chick, Cool Mike, tomorrow at 2 p.m. I'll be there. Will you? Bob USMC, I know he'll be there. And G-Ski Radio 2020 Radio Network is going to be on tonight. We are out of here. 60 seconds left. I have just gone on and on and on and on and on. Good night, folks. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Wow. Yeah. All right. We don't need that. No, 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 no. As callers argue. Okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> Good night, folks. God bless you.
Out of respect, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize without him doing anything, and he took it. He changed health care for millions of Americans, even though they liked what they had. He says he will tell Iran to quit making nukes, and they will stop, because he is just that good. To him, the Supreme Court is nothing but an unelected group of people. You want president? He is the president. He picked Joe Biden to be his vice president, just to show that he doesn't really need one. He wants us to believe no one else in America would have made the Bin Laden call. He is the most arrogant man in the world. <laughs> I ultimately get what I want. Stay ignorant, my friends. Oh.